This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them. It's Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump has called dead service members losers and suckers. He refused to attend a service at a military cemetery in Europe because it was raining and his hair would get wet. And after a seriously wounded vet sang the national anthem at a welcome ceremony for General Mark Milley, attended by the former president, Trump said to Milley, why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that. I bring all this up because 2024 will be a contrast election. And the contrast between Biden and Trump could not be clearer when it comes to how they act towards those who have sacrificed everything for their country. President Biden recently attended a dignified transfer ceremony at Dover Air Force Base, welcoming the return of the bodies of three service members killed overseas. Here is footage of that ceremony. I spoke with fellow vet and the co-host of the Suburban Women Problem podcast, Amanda Weinstein, about it. Here's our conversation. So, Amanda, you saw that clip of the president and first lady on the tarmac at Dover as the the bodies are coming home. As a vet, I imagine that has a a special meaning to you. I know it does to every American, but it's it's one of the few topics that I cover on the show that I I have a hard time getting through without choking up because I know what those families are going through. It's hard. It's the call you never want to get and it's hard to explain because you know the risks of someone in your family going into the military. It is hard. It's hard for parents. I know it's hard for my parents when I told them I wanted to. Their first reaction, I think, was, I don't think so, right? This is super dangerous. But at the same time, you go in there knowing what you're doing for your country and not almost not expecting it to happen, though. And when it does, it makes it, it's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. We did a uh, an episode a couple days ago about the phone call the president made to to the families of one of those uh, soldiers we lost in in Jordan and you can just tell by the tone of his voice by the way he's sharing his own grief that he understands what they're going through i mean it has been a long time since we've had a president who who personally experienced that kind of loss and it comes through in how he talks to the families of the fallen it um, it is a very compelling watch where you know that he shares a connection to that family and they know that he shares that connection. It comes across in that call that increasingly fewer and fewer Americans share that connection. And it is, I think it's something I didn't quite realize are the burdens you put on your family who are worried about you every day. Like you go out and you do your job and you're prepared for it, but you don't quite think about what you put on your family who's worried about you and what that call could be like 
for them. And you can't really think about it. I mean, I think we would just stop doing our jobs if we thought about it. But it is it is something that I think over time I have realized more and more of kind of that burden that that you know I put and that is put on families that is just placed on them. There is such a chasm between those families who are bearing that burden and the 1% of Americans who are on watch downrange and the rest of the country who I think often forget that there are people in harm's way. And and I don't begrudge that. I mentioned this in the in the episode we we ran a few days ago that part of the reason I joined the military was so that the people I cared about back home wouldn't have to worry about their freedom and their security. It's why we have people on the wall, so to speak. But it's in in moments like this that I think we have an opportunity to remind the the broader public that there are people risking their lives. There are people in harm's way, and there are families who will carry that loss with them for for as long as they live. I think it's important to remember that we have people out there and every person that I served with did this for a higher calling. I never met one person in the service who did it to become rich. I have never heard a service member say that. They all did it for a higher calling. And that higher calling really to support this country, to protect this country and to support people. And regardless of what we feel like of any international actions or what's going on, that is what they are ultimately trying to do is to support this country and the people that are in it. And I think it is important to remember that that is what they're out doing every day. In that phone call, the president talks about our sacred obligation to those who serve and to those who have fallen. And I really appreciated that nuance because there are many things a government should do. There are many responsibilities a government must undertake, but there are very, very few constituencies that a government actually owes something to. And the the soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines who who have sacrificed for the country, especially those who have fallen, the country owes them something in a way it doesn't to other constituencies. Not that those constituencies shouldn't be served, but I think that's what the president meant by a sacred obligation to those in uniform. It is. If you look at the the mission of the VA, right, their mission is to support and honor the sacrifice that our military members have made and their families, right? It is clear that we should be supporting the members of the fallen, right? We do owe something back to them and the sacrifice that they've made, the ultimate sacrifice, right? There isn't a higher sacrifice you can make than putting your own life on the line and losing it for this higher calling for our country. It is absolutely something that we owe those families. Hi, everyone. I want to give a big shout out to all those who have signed up to support this show through my Patreon page. We are off to a fantastic start. Thank you for making it possible. And if you haven't subscribed, I hope you'll consider it. In the coming months, I'll be posting early and exclusive content, including a trailer for the Against All Enemies documentary film, which has been racking up awards at film festivals around the world and will soon be released here in the U.S. Stand by for more details on that. And if you're a subscriber to my Patreon page, be on the lookout for an early preview. Thanks again, everyone.
I think it's a Lincoln quote that is emblazoned or embossed above the entry to my local VA and to most VAs. And I can't remember where President Lincoln said it, but the quote is, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and his widow and his orphan. Um, Might need to be slightly updated, but the sentiment is timeless. Uh, The idea that we have a, a timeless duty to care for those who have borne the battle. Absolutely. Those words are timeless and the VA carries it with them to this day that these are people we owe the response. We have the responsibility to take care of them and their families. And that involves acknowledging that this is happening It involves acknowledging that this sacrifice was made and that they have lost a daughter or for the other families who have lost sons, right? Acknowledging that first and acknowledging that the sacrifice they made was for this country and was for our freedom. Part of it is also making good on the promise to provide care when it's needed. And I I don't begrudge President Biden at all in mentioning the, the PACT Act, the veterans legislation that he fought for, that I hate to get political in an episode like this, but it's the times we live in and it's unavoidable that so many Republicans voted against. Um, and I didn't actually make the connection in, until I heard the audio of the call, but Bo Biden, who died from uh, brain cancer, glioblastoma, was deployed right next to burn pits in Iraq. So the idea that that President Biden gets it, I mean, his empathy comes from firsthand experience of of not just losing his family in that car crash years ago, but losing his son likely because of a deployment in service of this country. I had not made that connection either between Bo Biden and with the burn pits. And I know I have friends who are also suffering medical issues because of burn pits. And I have a hard time seeing Republicans with the yellow support our troops ribbon and say all the words, but it's not followed up by action. Right. When Lincoln talks about supporting the people who bear the scars of battle and their families, he's not talking about putting a ribbon on the back of your car. Right. What he's talking about is action. He's talking about money. He's talking about making sure that we are providing the health care for them and their families, that we are supporting them for the sacrifice to honor the sacrifice they made. That is So well said, Amanda. I think we'll leave it there. But I'm going to roll the tape of that phone call one more time. I know we did an episode on it recently, but I have watched this three or four times and it hits me in a different place every time. So we're going to share it again. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thanks, Ken. This is Joe Biden. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. President. Sean, I wish I didn't have to make this call. I, uh, I know, uh, you know, everybody, uh, I, I know there's nothing anybody can say or do to ease the pain. I've been there. Yes, sir. We understand. I just want you to know that I, uh, you're in my prayers, in my heart. I know you don't want the press at the return of the body, but, uh, with your permission, I'd like to be there with you. Is that okay? We would love for you to be there. Well, you know, uh, and by the way, 
were reported were were promoted here posthumously to sergeant. Oh wow, that Thanks, is sir. the best news I've heard today. Thank you so much. You don't know how much that means to us. Oh well, I tell you what, it means a lot to lot to me. Uh, my son spent a year in Iraq until I lost him, and uh, I, uh, you know, one percent, one percent of all these kids are the ones that uh, take care of ninety-nine percent of us. Look, I know, I really do know. I got one of those phone calls out telling me my wife and daughter were dead when a tractor trailer hit them when I was a young senator and then my son Bo I, uh, he lived near a burn pit and Baghdad he uh, came down with stage 4 glioblastoma brain tumor and uh, lost him too but uh, you know yes sir we know that you can definitely feel our pain well unfortunately I do and but I can tell you one and you won't believe it now and I hope I won't be angry when I say it. The day will come, the day will come when you walk by a park you used to play, play Kennedy played in, or you open a closet and you smell the fragrance of her clothing or something like that, and you'll smile before you cry. That's when you know you're gonna make it. It takes a hell of a long time to get there, but I promise you, you'll get there. I know that is no consolation now, you know? And from what I understand, you're a close family and her twin brother also. I, I just, I, I just, anyway, I I wish there was something really intelligent I could say to change everything. Well, we, I just thank you so much for your words of comfort, especially from a parent who's experienced it. And, you know, if you've made it through, I know that, you know, we can make it through as well. So I just appreciate your words. Well, thank you. Just hang on to each other. I, the way I made it through is I had family left, even though I lost a big chunk of it. Uh, I had family left, and we just hung on to each other. And uh, it's really, really hard, though, I know. Yes, sir. I, I, the, the, the thing is, I don't know whether you ever want to or could, but uh, where are you now? You're, are you in Georgia? Yes, we're in Waycross, Georgia, Ware County. Well, if you ever had an opportunity to be up this way, I'd love to host you in the Oval Office and get to see you. Anyway. Thank uh, you I, so I much. I give you a White House phone number to go directly to my person outside my door in the office if you ever decide you want to try to do that. Yes, sir. We will definitely make sure we make that happen. Okay. Did you have a pencil there? Yes. Um, Mr. President, sir, we got a room full of people, and I think it'll be in our best interest if you we take you off speakerphone and get the number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're back on speaker now. I'm the President of the United States of America. Quote the most powerful man in the world, like he told me. They don't allow me to have a phone. <laughs> 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 I'm well, if you have friends there, Hold them tight, friends. Hold them tight. You know, what's going to happen is in about four, five, six weeks, everybody thinks everything's going to be okay. And uh, all the crisis is over. And, but the pain is still going to be very deep. And uh, so I always say to friends, stay close. Stay close. It, 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 it matters. It really matters. 
And Sergeant Sanders. God, she has such a the picture I'm looking at. She has such a beautiful smile. God love her. Thank you. Thank you, Miss President. She did. She absolutely did light up every room she was in. That's pretty clear from looking at her. Well, as my grandfather would say, with the grace of God and the goodwill of the neighbors of the Crick Not Rise, and I'll see you on Friday. Okay, okay. so we'll look forward to we'll it. Look forward to it, Miss President. And look, anything in the meantime, I was able to get past a very important piece of legislation for veterans this last year. Didn't get a lot of help, but we got it passed. And it, it has benefited. I, I've always said from the time I've been involved that if we have one sake, we have a lot of obligations to the country. We only have, and I've been, this is God's truth, we only have one sacred obligation to prepare those we send in harm's way and care for them and their families when they come home. That's what we're doing. Mr. President, as a veteran, I would like to thank you. Sincerely thank you. Yes, sir. We are very thankful to you for your thoughts, prayers, and concerns, and everything that you're doing to protect our veterans. We trust whatever decision you make going forward, we trust that it will be the best interest of our country. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Keep me in your prayers. I pray every single day that I make the right decisions. Yes, right sir. Decisions. We definitely will. All right. Well, I will see you Friday, okay? Okay. We look forward to it. God love you. All right. Thank you. Dad, keep the faith, man. Thank right. you. Thank bye you, bye. sir. All right. Bye-bye.